Amen, amen, amen. Listen, it, it is an exciting time for the church. Amen. Like, I don't know about you guys, I, I've really been enjoying the movement um, of the church. I know it's been hard times and a lot of things have been going on, but it's like, man, God is just like manifesting himself in the midst of trials, in the midst of struggles, and the times that we're in. And it's almost that you can find this excitement and this enjoyment in God to see him. Because he works outside of us. He works outside of our thoughts and our ways. And it's fun just to experience him sometimes and to be a part of him. So I want to talk today. We've been in a series called The Character of God. And um, it is amazing. Clay's done such of a good job. We came out of an of a end time series, kind of Clay prepping us and teaching us, which was phenomenal. And then Clay went into a series of the character of God. And, and for me, that was huge. Um, and, I, and I really want to explain why that was so big because, you know, the truth is when I teach my guys, like I, um, I work with Chad's Hope and my guys are up there, so sometimes I get to teach them. And when I teach my guys, I teach them the most important thing that you can think, one of the most important things that you consider or that you come to know will be the image of the Father. It's, it's the most important, crucial mark of your worldview. It, it changes and shapes the way that you see everything. The way that you know the Father, the way that you think about the Father, the way that you see the Father, the way that you view the Father, the way that you interpret the character of God. It says that God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. And I want to get in real quick, and I want to go through something real quick before we get into this. Today I'm going to be teaching and speaking on the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. <laughs> but I want, to, I want to step back, and I, I really just want to break this down. Really just the importance of what's going on through this sermon series as Clay's moving forward and as we're hearing about the character of God. There's this thing, what we behold, we become. What we believe, we act out. I want to go to scripture and I, and I want to say this. There's a, there's a slide that I have in there with Romans and, and a couple verses and I want to go over this. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You go into Colossians 3.10, it says, Be renewed in knowledge according to the image of God. Now, I want you to take that into consideration. Literally, when we come into salvation and we're transformed and born again as a new creation, and this transformation starts to happen in our life as a Christian, it says, transform comes by renewing, and renewing comes through the knowledge according to the image of God. Colossians 2.9, it says, For in Him, for in Jesus dwells the fullness of the Godhead. Listen to me. We are transformed by the renewing, and we are renewed in the knowledge according to the image of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not about what we do. It's not about anything that we do within and of ourselves, but literally it is beholding the face of Jesus Christ that we experience something that gives us a knowledge that begins to renew us and that causes new birth, transformation, and makes us 
a new person. That is powerful. That is powerful. That transformation comes from a renewing that happens as we behold the face of Jesus, as we behold the character of God. So as we're going through this season and we're learning about the character of God, it is so crucial and it is so important because literally it is the determining factor that teaches us and changes us and shapes us according to the experience that we have with Him. What we behold, we become. What we believe, we reflect. I see people all the time reflecting God, reflecting God, reflecting the way that they see God. And sometimes I may disagree with it. Sometimes people may see God as a vengeful God, as a wrathful God, and that'll come out of their character. It'll determine the way that they handle people. It'll determine the way that they handle failures. It'll determine the way that they see people. It'll determine the way that they love people. It'll determine the way that they treat people. It'll determine the way that they judge the world. It'll determine the way that they judge circumstances, their view and their experience with God. It is important, I about sound like Donald Sims. I feel like this is something that he would say, but it is important to know who your daddy is. Amen. It is important to know who your daddy is. That was so big for me when I came into Christ because I felt like an orphan that I really didn't have a relationship with my father that I began to stay on my knees and on my face and I began to say things to him like Abba and I began to make myself say stuff like daddy and it made me sick because I wasn't used to that. It was so nasty to me and unnatural to me but I began to speak it out of my mouth and I began to call him daddy. I began to call him Abba, Dad, and I began to speak it and say it over and over and over again as I began to talk to him until it became a natural thing to me, and I was able to embrace it. Because I believe that, I believe that there's a correspondence in the faithfulness of God, and that's the only reason I'm speaking on this today. It's as we behold, we become. As we believe, we reflect. And as we behold the faithfulness of God, that's literally where our faith comes from, is in the faithfulness of God. Knowing His faithfulness, standing on His faithfulness. So I'm really excited about getting into this. The image of the invisible God, the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ. And as we begin to look for the character of God, The only place, one of the only places that we should go to look for the character of God and the fullness of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 3.19 says, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And as we're looking on the character of Christ, it's saying to know the love of Christ, to know the character of God, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 4.13 says, Till we all come to the unity of faith and of knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of stature and of the fullness of Christ. So literally, as we're talking about maturing as Christians, as we're talking about experiencing God, as we're talking about 
becoming full in Christ, into the maturity, into the fullness of God, it's literally saying it's about knowing God. That's what it's all about. It's about knowing God. That's what changes us. That's what matures us. That's how we experience the fullness of God, and that's how we represent the fullness of God, by knowing God. It says, as we come to the unity of faith and of knowledge, and this is the sad thing, is that people perish for lack of knowledge. People perish for lack of knowledge. It says, my people perish for lack of knowledge because they don't know God. It's a scary thing. One of the scariest things that I ever read in the whole entire Bible was, for you do not know me, for you do not know me. Depart from me, for you did not know me. That's one of the most terrifying things that I have ever read. Not knowing God. It says people perish for lack of knowledge, but I'm going to say this. People also perish for lack of faith. It says when we come to the unity of faith and knowledge. Yes, people perish because of lack of the knowledge, but also people perish because of lack of faith. And I really want to get into this in the correspondence of God's character and his faithfulness because Hebrews 11:6 gives us a hint on how to know God past an intellectual ascent. It says that the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So you got to understand this. Knowing God is not an intellectual thing. There's something that happens in the relationship with God that passes our intellectual ascent into something greater where we have an experience with God. Listen, when we try to know God intellectually, we will always come to barriers... We will always come to walls. We will always come to things that will block us. But there is an experience to be had with God that surpasses knowledge. That surpasses just knowing Him intellectually. And so I want to get into that today as we talk about the faithfulness of God and the, how that corresponds to us. And I want to get into Hebrews 11.6. Because this is what a Hebrews 11, 6 says. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must have faith before we can come to God. We must have faith before we can know God. We must believe that God is faithful. We must have faith before we can even come to God, it says. You can't even come to Him unless first that you believe He is. And it says, listen, before we can even know God, before we can even know who He is, we must believe in Him. So I want to I get into some of these points right here. And the first thing that I want to talk about is God is faithful to who He is. God is faithful to who He is. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. That God's character does not change. He remains faithful, and His faithfulness endures all things. 
When you look in the old covenant, a lot of people misrepresented a God, and then I still see a lot of new Christians, and they think that there's two different gods going on from the old covenant to the new covenant. But as you begin to read through the word the whole time throughout the Old Testament, literally, God is revealing his character and mercy and in love. He's revealing it the whole way. Even whenever Jonah ran, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He jumped off of a ship, got swallowed by a whale, and he said, I knew your mercies and your goodness would extend to these people. And I didn't want to go because I knew you were a merciful God. Like throughout the whole Old Testament, God is revealing his goodness and his mercy and his love. When Jesus showed up, the thing that he kept saying was, I desire mercy. I desire compassion, not sacrifices. You see this throughout the whole entire scripture. And then when the fullness of God comes in the face of Jesus, he begins to represent the Father in such of a way that people had never experienced. And a lot of the religious leaders rejected him, didn't know him. So it is important that we know the character of God. It is important that we know him because I'm not trying to be in this religious thing where I'm doing all these things and I'm trying to do all this stuff. And then when somebody comes up, you know, we was laughing at small group last week. Imagine coming up to a man preaching to us about God, girded up in, in animal skin, eating locusts and talking to you looking wild. Huh? You better test that spirit right there, boy. <laughs> that ain't Jesus. That ain't God. <laughs> See, God is greater. His ways are higher. And sometimes he will challenge us in ways that it takes faith. It literally takes knowing him and being intimate with him through experience is the only way that we're going to be able to discern certain things that come into our life. Because if certain things come into our life, like a man wearing goat skin, eating locusts and his hair, living out in the wilderness, that ain't God to me by my carnal understanding. I immediately reject that. That's not what God looks like. That's not God. But if I've been spending time in the presence of God, by faith, knowing who he is and his spirit is with me and this thing enters into my life that my carnal mind and my carnal way of thinking is this, all of a sudden by the spirit I'm able to discern, you know what, that sounds like God. You know what, that even start, that's starting to look like, yeah, I think that's God. So I want to get into this because God is faithful to who he is. God is faithful to who he is. He hasn't changed his mercies. It says his, his covenant faithfulness surpasses, continues. His covenant faithfulness. This, and, and this is a lot of times about God. Is Sometimes we try, to, we try to see God's faithfulness according to our life now. God's faithfulness is forever. God's faithfulness endures all things. God's faithfulness is past this life. When you say, well, God, why'd you allow this to happen? And look what happened here and where was you at there? You don't see the big picture. God sees from eternity. He sees from a bigger place. He is more. And his faithfulness endures all things. And sometimes I get into situations and my intellectual ascent and my knowledge doesn't, it hits a roof. And I don't understand. And I don't get it. 
And I don't have answers. But God is faithful. And what keeps me is my faith in his faithfulness. What keeps me is my faith in his faithfulness. Not my knowledge, not my understanding, not my intellectual thing that I have going on with God, but it's my faith and his faithfulness. You must believe in God's character. I, lo- I love Hebrews eleven six 6 because it says, you must believe he is before you will come to him. And I tell you this right now. I see, I mean, even myself in life will come to circumstances where I'm ministering with other Christians and things are going on and they'll be going through trials and they'll be going through things but they're not going to God because they don't necessarily know God as merciful. They don't necessarily know God as forgiving. Sometimes in the midst of our trials, and it's not easy when the most important thing and precious thing that we have experienced on this earth outside of God or inside of God with God's help gets stripped away from us, it's hard to go to God and think that He's good. I just had one of my best friends call me, just went to his funeral. His wife was 29 years old, passed away from COVID. Just like that, all of a sudden, didn't know it, didn't think it, didn't understand. All of a sudden, got a phone call, come upstairs, and I never seen anybody love anybody more than I seen that man love his wife. And he called me just weeping and crying and begging me. And he said, Forrest, I just pray one thing, just pray one thing. Please just focus on one thing that I won't fall away from God. And it's like I don't have any counsel in the midst of these moments of why did this happen or this is the answers that you need to know. The only thing that I know and the only thing that I could give him is God is good. Period. I don't understand. I don't know why. I don't have answers for you. I can't comfort you with reason. But the only thing that I know and the only thing that I have to give you that is solid, that you can stand on, is God is good. God is good. But this is the thing. When we get in those moments, you have to believe that. You have to know that before you even go to them. You have to have faith in who he is before you even go to him. Sometimes, you know, we sin and we do things, and I, I work with a lot of guys coming out of horrible backgrounds, and, and sometimes they think that their sin is greater than the sacrifice. Sometimes they think what they've done can never be forgiven. Like their sin is greater than the Son of God himself that gave up his own life. You have to know and put your faith in who God is. That he's merciful. That he's forgiving. He is provider. He is protector. He is healer. And sometimes it's hard for us to step out on that. Sometimes, even in my life, I've seen God is healer. He is a healer. I've seen it happen. I know that it happens. I know that he is But sometimes I don't go to that. Sometimes my immediate response is, okay, I'm going to God right here. 
Sometimes I'll try to be over here for, you know, a few minutes or a couple days trying to figure out this pain and what's going on. And, and then it's like, oh, yeah, maybe God will heal this. But it's like I have to know that he's healer before I'll even come to him. I have to have faith that he is before I will even come to him. He is healer. He can do this, and I'm going to believe him for it. Hallelujah. God is faithful to who he is, period. His, his character isn't dependent upon us. He has remained himself throughout all eternity. He doesn't change because of us. He doesn't change because of our sin. He doesn't change because of our failures. We were down here worshiping about Jesus a while ago, and the Lord showed me something about Abraham sitting in that chair, and God was supposed to come up and make a covenant with him. And all of a sudden, the Lord showed up, and he split the animal. The animal was split down in two because it was based upon a covenant that two people walk in the midst of this half animal and the blood to represent. If you break this covenant, it costs your life. Death for death, blood for blood. And he was waiting on God and God showed up and put Abraham asleep and God walked through the middle of that thing himself and didn't allow Abraham to do it because God said, I'm going to be faithful to my covenant, but even when you're not faithful, I'm going to give my life for you. God's faithfulness, his goodness, Jesus he sent his only begotten son, his faithfulness to us. And because of his faithfulness, we can correspond to that with faith. Because he loved us first, we can love. The second thing is God is faithful to what he says. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I want, I want to break this down because God is faithful to what he says. There's things in God's word that are absolute. There's things in God's word that are absolute. Like Matthew 5, 18, it says, For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jaw or one tittle by no means will pass away from the law till it is fulfilled. Every single word in that book will come to pass. Every word. Everything. There is an absolute truth that God's word that has been spoken will absolutely everything come to pass. But there's also conditional things that he spoke, conditional things that he said to us, promises that was given to us that said, if you then, if you seek me with all your heart, then you will find me. There is... God's faithfulness is being released through our faith and responding to his promises. If you seek, then you will find. If you knock, then it will be open to you. If you ask, then it will be given to you. But I promise you, at no point in time has God ever failed. At no point in time has God's word ever failed. At no point in time has it ever went out void. When God spoke something and his word goes out, it does not go out void. It is alive. It is active. And we have to believe that and know that without any doubt to stand upon that. 
Because James says, let this man, whoever asks in his heart, believe the things that he asks, and he shall receive. But the man to whom doubts, to him, let not him think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. And you've got to be careful when I speak that and when I say that, because immediately a lot of people will go to things, well, I believe God for this, and I believe God for that. And again, this is the thing. God is not... A man that he should lie. So past what people tell me sometimes, the only thing that I know truth is, is that word. Period. Period. And sometimes I ask God for things and I don't get them. And he says, ask anything according to my will. Believe in your heart that it shall be done and it shall be done. I'm telling you, I have seen the faithfulness of God through prayer. I have seen the faithfulness of God through things that I ask. And sometimes it might show up different than the way that I ask it. Praise God. Praise God because I tell you this, he knows exactly what is good for me. He has a will for me that is good, pleasing, and perfect. And sometimes I can be believing with faith and asking things for God outside of his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And he withholds from giving it to me. Praise God. At the end of the day, what I know is that he is faithful, that his word is faithful. You know, I, I really love, I really love at the furnace. I really love at the furnace. Whenever they came up and they said, bow down and worship this God or we're going to throw you into the furnace. And they said this, that they responded and they said, we believe that God will deliver us from this furnace. But even if he don't, listen to me, listen to me. If even if he don't, we know who we serve and we trust what he allows. We're going to believe for this to come through. We're going to believe that God is going to deliver this. We're going to believe that God is going to heal. We're going to believe that God is going to set free. We're going to believe and we're not going to stop. But even if he don't, we know who we serve. And he is faithful and we trust what he allows. And then the hand of God shows up. I love what uh, um, David Wilkerson, he's over Teen Challenge, the ministry that I'm involved with. He said, our faith is not meant to get us out of hard places or change our painful condition. Rather, it is meant to reveal God's faithfulness to us in the midst of our dire situation. You look back at, at Paul the beloved, the Paul that led the New Testament up and you see how many times he was beaten with sticks. You see how many times he was in the dungeons. You've seen how many times he was stoned and left laying for dead, bleeding out his head. God allowed that. God allowed that to happen for his glory and to reveal his faithfulness. And sometimes we can get in these places in our life where we don't want anything bad to happen. We don't want nothing bad to happen. 
And then literally when I look at it sometimes, and this will be going in into the last thing. Anyways, listen, we overcome by the word. God's word is alive. It is active. It says we live by the word. We don't eat by bread alone, but we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We overcome by the blood and the word. God's word is faithful. Every, every dot, every tittle that is in the book is true. It is inerrant. It is flawless. You can stand on it. You can hold on to it. And we must believe and put our faith in God's faithfulness of who he is and what he said. And the third point that I want to say today is this, is that we must feed on his faithfulness. Psalms 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Because I'm telling you right now, just like I said a while ago, there's this carnal mindset within us. There's this natural man within us. There's these feelings that happen within us that we go through. And opposing to that through testing and trials will be God's word, will be God's character. And it's important that we feed on the faithfulness of God. I'm going to share this. I don't, I don't know if she'll get mad at me. I don't think that she will. Uh, it's not the, yeah, the other night I was, uh, I was laying in my bed and, you know, and I come home and my wife was talking to me and uh, I could tell something was wrong. And all of a sudden she started telling me about this thing that was going on with her body that was very unnatural and, and awkward. And the results of that and everything that she looked at and a lot of the stuff that she was seeing not everything, but most of the stuff that she was seeing was cancer. And she was talking to me about it. And as she was talking to me, I could feel her tears running down my shoulders. And it broke my heart as her husband, but all of a sudden the Spirit of God welled up inside of me. And I told her, I said, listen, honey, I'm not telling you that you don't have cancer. I'm not telling you that something isn't wrong with you. But I'm telling you right now that we're going to rise up as Christians in the Lord and we're not going to be overcome by fear and we're not going to allow fear to reign into this house. And if anything does happen, if I end up getting cancer, if you end up getting cancer and the bad things, we're going to rejoice and we're going to praise God and we're going to lift him up because he is good. He is good. And we're going to push back fear. And we're going to push back all those things that come in and try to devour us. And we're going to stand in the Lord and we're going to rejoice in Him no matter what. No matter what. Because I'm telling you right now, listen, we are in the end times. You know, like a lot of people think, man, it's going to be persecution and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. To be honest with you, I really think if it was persecution, we would be more sincere in our faith, more solid in our faith, more strong in the Lord. But because of it's not, it causes everybody to seek comfort, everybody to be lax, everybody to seek their own way. And it scares me. You know, I was talking to a couple of my brothers the other day in here, and I remember what Donald preached one time, and he said that you, I didn't have $20 in my pocket. That's how broke I was. I didn't have 20 bucks in my pocket, 
And I was thinking about what Donald Sim says. You are a part of the, the 10% of the most richest people in the world. If you make over $50,000, you're a part of the, the 1% of the most richest people in the world. And I'm standing there without $20, but yet I'm a part of the most 10%. I'm richer than 90% of the other people in the world. I get to wake up and choose where I want to take a shower. I get to wake up and choose from an array of clothes that I want to wear, choose from an array of shoes and socks, and I get to go eat whatever food I want to eat, and I get to walk out, and I get to drive around in vehicles and get and go anywhere I want and have phones and, and, and these things. And I started to think about Jesus. He said, it's easier for a camel to pass through an eye of a needle. And I'm like, God, I don't want to be a man in these end times that's just seeking my own comfort. I don't want to be a man in the end times that when I'm tested and I'm tried through trials because of my uncomfort, I don't know who God is. I'm not going to Him because I'm being tried and tested and all of a sudden fear is overcoming me. All of a sudden, anxiety's hitting me. All of a sudden, depression is hitting me because I'm so overwhelmed by my comfort that I lack faith. Listen to me. We live in a times where comfort is hindering Christians from growing into the fullness of Christ because comfort becomes our only state of contentment. Comfort becomes our only state of contentment rather than faith. We, are in a, we have to feed ourselves on His faithfulness and His goodness because if you're not careful and you're just doing your 9 to 5 thing and you wake up and saying your little prayer, all of a sudden you turn on the news. All of a sudden you hear the gossip about what's going on in the worlds and the countries and the worlds and you see about the kids and all the sex things and the rebellion that's raising up in the country and fear will begin to melt your heart. We have to prepare ourselves in this end times to be able to step out of our comfort zone, be okay with whatever God wants to do in my life. God, if you want to make me uncomfortable, God, if you want to make me get up and go to small group, because I'm telling you right now, I don't necessarily like it because it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> you the man. I mean, I mess with you for real. <laughs> but... It makes me, I'd rather just stay at home and do what I want to do and be comfortable. Sometimes getting around other people makes me uncomfortable. Whether I like them or not, I just ain't trying to discipline myself to do it. We have to, in this time, be open for God to make us uncomfortable. I don't like getting up Saturday morning and getting on Zoom for a prayer line. It makes me uncomfortable. But I have to discipline myself because I'm in a time and my faith is going to be tested and I have to prepare myself in such of a way that whenever God tests my faith and I go through the trials of this life, that I go to God, that I know Him, that I've been spending time with Him. And then all of a sudden when my comfort gets disarrayed, I'm okay with that because of my faith has me in contentment. Because I am content no matter what gets taken from me, no matter what's going on, because I have been living in the faithfulness of God, because I have been getting uncomfortable to exercise exercise my faith and therefore I can go through the trial but if I'm not careful if I'm not careful I can make it about 
my comfort. Not my faith, but my comfort. And then when things begin to happen, Ephesians 4.14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of man in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking truth in love that we may grow up into all things into Him who is the head, and that is Christ. God's faithfulness is a firm foundation which faith allows us to live from. God's faithfulness is a firm foundation. And when we feed on the faithfulness of God and we force ourselves to get out and get uncomfortable and go to small groups and get on the prayer lines and come to church and read our Bibles and say prayers with our wife and begin to pray out loud and exercise uncomfortable things in our life and we begin to feed on the faithfulness of God when the winds come, when the storms hit, when the deceitful plotting of the kingdom of darkness comes about, when the craftiness of man hits you, you will remain solid. You will have contentment. You will have peace. On the faithfulness of God. But we must feed upon His faithfulness. You got to be careful about feeding on the world, feeding on the news, feeding on the bad things going on, feeding on these other things. You have to make sure that we are feeding ourselves in the faithfulness of God. For God is faithful. Amen. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for your character, Father. Thank you for what you've been revealing to us. Thank you, Father, for taking the veil and allowing us to look at Jesus and to see the fullness of God. Thank you for your faithfulness towards us. Thank you for your mercies, God, that endure. Thank you, Father God, for the refreshment that comes from looking and beholding you. Allow us to be renewed. Allow us to experience you. Allow us to be transformed by who you are as we put our faith in you, God, and your faithfulness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can come to you, Lord. God, today we honor you and we want to bless you. And we, want to, we want to welcome you to minister to us in any way that you so desire. In Jesus' name.